The Power 40 podcast is an uplifting faith-based podcast that speaks to all that is going on in our world. Our goal is to share inspirational real-life stories and experiences from notable guests around the country on matters that touch us all. The number 40 symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. We all experience trying times in our lives, but it's what comes from these times that make us who we are. As we depict periods of people's lives where the idea of the number 40 is played out, we will learn the goodness that comes from perseverance, determination, and belief. I'm your host, Danica Tramberg, joined today by co-founder at Charisma Q, communication advisor, Emmy award-winning journalist, and speaker, Katrina Cravey. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me, Danica. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's so funny when you give Absolutely. that when you give that introduction, it sounds like I can't keep a job. <laughs> I think it sounds accomplished. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Very excited to be talking with you and your audience today. Awesome. I I think that first thing in your intro, charisma cue. Um, the word charisma, my mom always was like, you gotta make sure you have charisma because that's going to get you far in life. And I think it's so important. So let's talk charisma a little bit. What makes someone charismatic and why does it matter? I I would love to talk about it because charisma, if you don't know, it has a divine inspiration around it. It's the favor of grace. And someone who's charismatic has that ability just to attract people. They're engaging. They really know how to influence. And I know when we think of people in our lives, especially in our families, Mm-hmm. We have somebody who is charismatic. I don't know about you, but like my uncles were really charismatic, super fun. And they were just the people you always wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, when you think of somebody who's charismatic, who do you think of? I feel like there's definitely a, a few people that stand out in my mind, but um, I specifically had a coach in high school who was always charismatic. He was always um, you know, pumped up for life, really just excited about everything mm-hmm. and had a good way of looking about things in life. And you're attracted to those people. And mm-hmm. that's what we're really working with emerging leaders and sales teams to really bring out their best personality. I think so often we get into this little, okay, I've got to do my job and I got to do this. And I, and you forget to show your love. Mm-hmm. Like show the love for the audience, show the love for the people that you interact with every day. And that's really where true charisma, people will gravitate to you because you're offering them something that in some ways is divine. You're, you're willing to look up from your, your phone and have a real conversation <laughs> with someone. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it is. It, well, trust me, I've got a 16 year old son uh-huh. and all the time I'm like, look me in the eye. To know that you can actually communicate. And that's why your mom saying, Hey, Danica, you've got to have more charisma. Mm-hmm. We just want as parents to know that you're going to eat. We need to make sure that you eat. And here at Charisma Q, we really believe that 85% of your success and your financial success is based on your personality mm-hmm. and your ability to negotiate and lead people. So as parent, I'm with your mother. Let's just make sure that uh, everyone wants to eat. I love that. It's so true. I, I think you can get so far in life, but you really have to hone your personality, own who you are and go about life in that way because everyone's different. And that's what, why everyone's so unique and beautiful in their own way. 
Precisely. And everyone has their own story. So, you know, me as a journalist, like I want to bring out the story in somebody, I want to ask them a lot of questions and that's empathy. And that's a component of charisma. You understood enough to connect with whoever you're talking with. And it's really important for us to understand each other's stories because we all see this world in a different lens. Mm -hmm. You think everybody's up here, but they're not. Like they all have their own up here's. So it is important to understand other people and trying to ask them as many questions as you can before you even put together your message and what you want to get out in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing, you know, communication in general, I was amazed to find out that you were once an intern for the greatest communicator, President Ronald Reagan. What a cool thing. Um, I didn't get a chance to introduce you as that either, but <laughs> you did it at such a young age too. What was that like? It was incredible experience for my friends. So I went to the University of Southern California, even though I live in Wisconsin now, I was originally from California and I was political science major and a broadcast journalism major at USC. So when Reagan got out of office and came back to Century City and opened up the library at Simi Valley, I was uh, the intern to the director of public affairs. Oh, wow. And it, it, my friends around that time said, every time you come back to the dorms, you're like, you've got little bluebirds on your shoulder. You're like, ah, I was at Reagan's today. And it was so true. It, it was incredible that the man who had been president most of my life I sat there at the front and like saw him come in every day to work, was able to have some interactions with him that were amazing. And it was an opportunity that I'll never forget. It's And to see him communicate was, mm -hmm. and to see the joy that certain audiences, to see the joy of getting to see him, that really resonated with me uh, as a, I think I was 21 when that was going on. So yeah. It's so neat. Yeah, it's so pretty cool. Uh, but I did learn at the time, it's interesting because even being a journalist, I learned that journalists, not all of them were great. Mm -hmm. And I got quoted in the Daily News as the spokesperson for Ronald Reagan. Oh, wow. Uh, I know, simply because a reporter called and said, can you confirm this fax? Yes, we used faxes back then. Um, can you confirm this fax that came from the public affairs department? And I just said, yes, I mm -hmm. sent that fax out, right? Like, and he said, can you spell your first and your last name? And I did. I just was complying. And obviously I was not the spokesperson for Ronald Reagan <laughs> and I got in a little bit of trouble. Oh no. <laughs> I was called in. Uh, I think while I was sitting in the lobby waiting to be called in uh, by the she was the head of operations. I think I heard her say, come in here, little lamb. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're coming in, you know, you're coming in for the slaughter if uh, they call you little lamb. So oh, I quickly realized that not all reporters were terrific. Yes, that's so true. That's oh my hard. gosh. I can't even imagine the adrenaline and nervousness or anxiety you're feeling at that moment. Exactly, exactly. But it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And the only other Reagan story that I have is that he was always very inquisitive and he wanted to know who were the first people to ride horses and win. Mm -hmm. And so my boss came out of the meeting and said, you got to go find this out. And there was no Google. Like I had to drive yeah. to the library. Yeah. 
And I found out the information and I came back and I said, here's the pieces of paper. I Xeroxed them. And I said, here's the information. And they said, no, he's waiting for you. And I said, what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a book report to the man who's been president most of my life. And they said, yes. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm too nervous. I can't do that. 21. I mean, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And the head of staff grabbed my arm took me to the door and said, Mr. President, Katrina's here with the information. And he goes, oh, well, good. Come on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a book report. So it was really cool. I told him it was in 5000 BC. It was the Mongolians. And we had this great conversation. He was just like your grandfather, right? Mm -hmm. It was just amazing. And he's like, you know, I ate horse in World War II, but I didn't know I was eating horse. And I'm like, it's okay. It was the war. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he's like, I love to ride horses with Maggie Thatcher. I'm like, oh, Margaret Thatcher. Yes, I've heard of her. Right. I, what do you say? So right. I have some good stories about working for Reagan. So thank you for bringing that up. He, to me, I mean, I know that some people, he's been labeled as the greatest communicator. Politics aside, mm-hmm. You have to love his ability to move a message mm-hmm. and to do it with charisma. That's awesome. I I love that, um, you know, these stories. I think, okay, when we think of newsroom, we think of broadcast, we think of journalists. I think of the grind that goes along with that. And I think that um, at such a young age, it's cool to see you doing, you know, you were working with him. Like, that's incredible. And if you had to give, like, advice or just shed some light of wisdom to a younger person now looking to accomplish maybe something that you've done um, as a journalist and in your career on TV and everything else, what would you say to them, especially a woman? Because I think sometimes women in these fields have a little bit of a harder time. I agree. And I think the best piece of advice is to believe in yourself and to value what you have to say. So often, and we see this even in the evaluations that we do, women don't take as long to answer the questions. Mm -hmm. I feel like you feel like you have to be rushed. And whether that's you're in a meeting and everyone's sitting around and you think, should I talk? And then I'm only going to say one sentence and then I'm going to stop. It's really believing in yourself and getting your message out there. And I would say doing the work. Mm-hmm. I've had some people that have said, oh, you know, I had a broadcast journalism background and I never went and did it. Well, my first job was in Parkersburg, West Virginia. <laughs> so I was in LA and I went to Parkersburg, West Virginia. And the market sizes, New York City's number one, LA's number two, TV market sizes, Parkersburg. 195. (laughs) And I got paid $6 an hour. And this particular company only paid half time for overtime. They didn't pay time and a half. They only paid half time. So for me to anchor the nightly news on the weekends, I got paid a buck 50 for the half an hour show. So sometimes you have to make the sacrifice that leads to success, but you're only going to make it if you really believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And you know, my faith, it's like, I believe in the Lord and I know that he's going to be able to take me through what I need to be taken through Mm -hmm. and having that kind being my brother, my brother's a pastor and he just gave the eulogy for our grandmother who had turned a hundred in a few days, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's great. And he said, you know, the one thing that 
I'm a leftist all, when we talk about living in the kingdom of the Lord, she lived it every day. She had joy no matter what was happening. And I think for younger women, especially, it's like, believe in yourself, believe in the Lord and find the joy in everyday living. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that. It's so true. I think joy in those simple things. I was just having this conversation with someone how, um, we had just kind of like a tragedy and our, my group of girlfriends and, um, you know, we talk about when you're achieving goals and you're always like focused on the next thing. And then, you know, there's going to be values in between those highs and that's life, right? That's all of life. You're going to get married. That's a big high. Have kids. Maybe that's a huge high Buy a house or, you know, all these things are so very exciting and you should live presently in those moments, but you also have to know that those are just moments and there's so much time in between those. So, you know, enjoying those simple things in life. I think that's just so true and something that we can all kind of remember to do, you know, your cup of coffee in the morning, find joy in something like that. Sometimes that's the only thing that gets me up, (laughs) you know, it's like stretch out those joints. Uh, Oh yeah. There's, there's coffee. Like Lord, give me the strength to make it to the kitchen and I will get going. But I think even you at a young age, like realizing, yeah, there's going to be these big milestones and you'll find with your friends that you reach these milestones. And then there might be things where the kids aren't always okay. Mm-hmm. And you have to rally around each other. And it's that resilience and your faith and your friends and your family that carry you through those times. Mm-hmm. And we all have those times. Nothing, there's never get life is never going to be perfect. It just doesn't work that way. It's like how perfect can you make whatever you're going through? Yes. It's absolutely and true. That's, that's hard. That's the that's where. That's where everybody really gets divided when you Mm -hmm. the people that succeed because they're resilient. Yeah, I love that word. And it's such a great thing. I think everyone can encompass in some way and no matter what age you're at. And I think it's something that's learned, um, which is even more cool. It's amazing if you have kind of like some sort of intrinsic um, resilience inside of you. But I think uh, it is something that can be taught, which is very awesome too, especially for young kids growing up or um, just kind of like rewiring your brain at an old age or whatever it is. Well, and I think you and I have something in common with you. Okay. Playing basketball. Yeah. And I played tennis and soccer and that teamwork. Mm -hmm. I feel like anyone who's ever been an athlete or had to rely on other people, they seem to thrive in an environment, even when the times are tough, because you've been, you've been down, you haven't right. had the score, you've had to come back and you may lose some and you didn't die. Like mm-hmm. everything was okay. So, I mean, for you and your basketball team, you learn a lot from the other girls. Yes, definitely. And just about yourself too. What, like, what do you do when you go through a loss or, or a win for that matter? And how do you react and how could I be better at maybe my reaction if it's not great or, you know, all those little things and shows you how to kind of transition into life when things don't go your way. How do you deal with it? And being good with feedback. 
Mm-hmm. I know it's funny because it's generational now as that in the older generations, I've been told like they don't need as much feedback because it just was like, you just do your job <laughs> and you'll hear from us when we're right. upset. Yes. Right. <laughs> And now the younger generation is looking for feedback because you Mm -hmm. have done a lot of group training, the way that schools taught, even you do a lot of group projects. Mm -hmm. So it's just different generationally on what we're looking for. But everybody in the end, I feel like the two things that I think most people want is respect. Mm -hmm. You need to have a sign around every person that says, show me that I'm important. That's the way I try to live. It's like everybody I talk to, I want to make sure they feel important and people want to be relevant. Mm -hmm. They want respect and they want to be relevant. And really what it comes down to is love, right? Right. Love your neighbor. That's all you got to do. It's it's not so hard. I just think we make it complicated sometimes and we don't need to. Yes, it's so true. It should just, it should be easy. It should just be second nature and just making feel people feel important when you're talking to them. And, um, I think we're just always so sidetracked and there's so much going on and people have these busy lives and they just kind of think of themselves and that happens. And, um, but yeah, also the, what you talked about, about feedback, I think is really important and, uh, critique. I know that sometimes it's not like always the best feeling when you get critiqued on things. Cause you're like, Oh, like, Oh, that, yeah, I know that's not a strong suit of mine or I need to work on it, but it just is different when you're actually hearing it. I know I, when I was training for my pageants, my mom, God bless her. I love her so much, but like would always like, she didn't always say the positive things. She oftentimes said like, you could do this better. You didn't do this or whatever, but it really kind of made me appreciate constructive criticism and realize that it's not, you know, a bad thing. It's just an area where I can improve on. But I like think as a, in your position that you're in, like in the public eye, did you have critique over the years and like, how did you handle that or deal with it? Oh yeah. We had (laughs) critique. We had consultants, every different station I worked for, we had another consultant come in And I was just training a team this morning and I was saying, okay, these consultants, imagine I'm your coach right now, but we used to have people come and would just look me up and down. And you probably felt, I mean, gosh, the pageant, I can't even imagine what you went through for the pageant. God bless you. Cause I would never, (laughs) but the consultants would come in and say, you have five seconds for the viewing audience to make a decision about whether or not they want to listen to you and turn up the volume. So your first impression, we're going to just examine you right now. And then they'd sit there and go, okay, cut her hair. All right, we're going to throw on new makeup and we're going to, she's got to wear all this, you know, and we're going to be dazzle or I don't know. It was like every time you could take that really personally. Mm -hmm. And we had voice coaches too, where they would say, you're doing this sing songy thing. When you get first into news, everybody knows like my news voice and the, yes, Today, what are we going to do? You get sing-songy, so they'd have to try to make you more conversational. But the way that I got over it, I realized, and I really hope that everybody realizes this, we're selling ourselves all the time Mm -hmm. to the people, to everybody around us. And I was a product. On television, I was a product that they put out there on TV, and they would hope that the audience liked that product. Mm -hmm. So then I thought, 
oh, this isn't personal. This is just like me as a product. I'm like a can of Coke. I'm just sitting here <laughs> with like, they're just looking at the label going, man, maybe we should change the graphics. And, yes. you know, so I, I felt much like when you ask, how do you get by on that? Once mm-hmm. I realized, okay, they're trying to make me the best version of me to sell to a bigger audience. And I'm in for that. Then I just have to listen. I love that. And do it. Yeah. I think that's such a good analogy because you, then you can kind of take it away from you and think of it as like a product, a graphic like that. It just makes it a lot better. (laughs) Right. I, now I wasn't thinking, oh, they don't like me. It's like Mm -hmm. being so worried, especially when you're talking about young women and being so worried. So I remember in the very beginning of my TV career, I would, they'd send me out live to do live reports. So I do live reports for like five days in a row. And I would Mm -hmm. think in my head, oh, I wonder if they don't think I'm good on on the set with the anchors to do a chat, you know, with the anchors about my story. Uh And then the next week they put me on the set five days that week talking to the anchors. And then in my head, I think, oh, do they think I'm good at going live? Like, Mm -hmm. and then I realized they're not thinking about anything. (laughs) They just wanted me to do the job they wanted me to do. Right. The naysayers, you know, so for young women, if you can get this to stop, Mm -hmm. such a waste of energy when you realize, like, just do what's out in front of you and don't worry about what is everybody else thinking. Right. When I always am like amazed by the people that do the news like very early in the morning, because I'm not necessarily like a super early morning person. And I know they have to be up like crazy early hours, like where I'm in my REM sleep hours. (laughs) And I just, um, it's just like so incredible to me, but you know, there's gotta be times, especially in like an hour at that, you know, that early in the morning, or, you know, maybe it's super late at night news. Like if you just aren't in the mood, like to perform or share and be your best and like be on top of your game? Like, how do you get past that? It's a great question. I think part of it is saying, okay, I want to give a hundred percent of the 50% that I feel today. That's a good way to put it. It is, you just have, and then once you get going, then your 50% level starts to climb. I do have, I have a couple of friends who are on the morning news still, Mm -hmm. and they joke Mm -hmm. around that you're a functioning drunk (laughs) is what you are. You are so sleep deprived that it's just like, you just do it. And you, that girl shows up. Like you don't know who that Mm -hmm. person is, but she comes on the air and she does her job. That's just how it is. But it's amazing what you'll put yourself through. I had a gallbladder attack during a show. And I could hardly breathe during the segments, but, you know, we're only on for like two to three minutes and then the other anchors, and then we toss it to weather and we toss it to sports. And I mean, it was killing me. And we (sighs) walked out to the parking lot and Ted Perry, my co-anchor, I remember him having to open the door to get me into the car. And we had just done an entire show and the audience had no clue, but you know, and you know, this in the pageants, like you have to pay, play with pain. It's Mm -hmm. just... I'm not saying that's a good thing because that builds character. Like, does build character, <laughs> and I did go right to the doctor, and everything was okay. But yeah, but you know how it is. You just sometimes I think we can easily go to I don't feel so great today, mm-hmm. 
And then we allow that to take down our performance. When you can sometimes push through it, it's about knowing who you are and how much you want to push forward. I think that's important. Perseverance through tough situations. And I think it's something that uh, people should try more often. I think sometimes we, the first sign of pain or struggle or something, it's easy to quit. So to push through things when you can is important. It is. It is. And it's about having like knowing that you've done it in the past. So Mm -hmm. every time you've gotten over some hardship, I think that builds confidence in your ability to do it again, that, that you've been in that valley before, you know, that there is hope on the other side. Yes. When you're in the moment, it feels like you will never get out of the valley. But once you've gone through a few more valleys, then you start to build that up. So true. Uh, As we close out today and reflect just like on this power 40 that we call this podcast and power 40 in our lives and maybe the trials that we're going through or have overcome, I think that we understand we'll continue to experience those valleys you talk about and the highs in life. Um, And 40 also seems to be significant in regards to time. So we talked about our faith earlier. So like Jesus spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil. The great flood lasted 48 days and 40 nights. And I just have one last question for you, Katrina. If you had just 40 minutes to impact the world, where would you start and what would you say? I would start by saying, love yourself. Quit being so critical of yourself and everybody around you and just really learn to love yourself. And if I have the last 40 minutes of my life, that's what I would try to get across. How would I do that? (laughs) I would probably get on my Facebook and just... (laughs) What would you do? What would you do, Danica? Would you just open up Facebook Live and keep talking for 40 minutes until you got it out? Probably. Uh, It's probably the best way these days, right? Right. I would figure out a way to talk to as many people that I love Mm -hmm. and really show them that, that it doesn't have to be so hard. You need to find your purpose. And I know that you're a big proponent of that and Mm -hmm. live your purpose to the very end. I, my grandma just passing taught me a lot about the fact that she lived her purpose and she mm-hmm. was happy at the end of knowing she had done her work. And that's where I want to be. It's amazing. Purpose is so much of how we live, why we live and what we live for. Exactly. Exactly. And you will come out of the wilderness. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Well, thanks so much for just joining me today. I am so looking forward to um, just keeping up with your journey and Charisma Q and everything you have going on. So can you share with our listeners where they can kind of follow you on social media or your website? That'd be great. It's Charisma Q, the letter Q.com. We'd love for you to come to the website, but also to follow us on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way to go, but would love for anybody to connect with me on LinkedIn. If you have a message or want me to answer something, just let me know. Awesome. Thank you. For more information on the Power 40 podcast, visit powerofhumans.com. Also stream the podcast on your preferred streaming service.